Was there a moment where, when you said you found enlightenment, was there a moment that you can recall that you were like, this is it? Many, many, many such moments. Many white light experiences that I've had. Wow. And all of them led me to feel that feeling, except ego was involved. So I was like, it's happening. I finally got here, you know? And I was like, it's over all and my pain. It came through meditation? It came through meditation. It came through retreats. It came through breath work. It came through breath work with specific healers. It came through, God, I mean, I've done so many things. And I would say most of my enlightened moments have been sober, stark sober. And so, but each one was like, with this kind of like pressure of like, it's over now. All your pain is gone and you're free from suffering. That's the promise that I was given. What is up podcast community? My name is Michael Chernow and this is the Creatures of Habit podcast. Habits are everything. And on this show, I will be interviewing some of the most inspiring, motivated and high performing humans on the planet to learn about the daily habits, routines, and rituals that help keep them focused, determined, on top of their game, and ultimately happy. My journey from the depths of addiction and misery to success as a family man and serial entrepreneur was only made possible by replacing bad habits with great ones, and my mission in life today is to share that story and the story of others with you to bring value and life-changing tools to as many people as possible. So sit back, relax, and pay attention because what you hear in this podcast today can potentially change your life. Let's go. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Creatures of Habit podcast. I am fired up. First of all, I'm in Los Angeles, and I am at a friend's studio in Los Angeles. I believe in in real life podcasting. I don't really enjoy the Zoom stuff anymore. So I was in LA, I was traveling to LA. I have a buddy here, Chase Tuning, who I've had on my podcast. He's got a studio in LA and I said, hey, I've got some friends, some, some ideal guests that I'd love to get on the podcast in Los Angeles. Can I use your studio? And he said, yes. So I'm sitting across the table from a friend. Uh, her name is Biet Simkin. She is many, many things. But I will say probably my the, the, the most recent experience I've had with Biette is really around breathwork uh, and spirituality. We reconnected recently, but I've known Biette for about 14, 15 years. We met in New York City. We're both from New York City. It's very, very rare that you find New York City born and breeders. Uh, Biette is from Queens. Her family is Russian. She was conceived in Russia, born and raised in Queens. And uh, she actually, interestingly, had a shaman as a father in New York City, which I really, I haven't asked her much about. I'm excited to learn learn about that. But Biet is also a best-selling author. She is a spiritual teacher. She's a spiritual guide. She is a meditation expert. She's also a breathwork expert. She's got a couple of different courses that have seen some unbelievable success with people that you definitely know. And she'll probably talk about those people that have really helped um, make made her feel like her her product has really really reached a super duper incredible level in in in, in uh, exposure um but uh yeah it's uh Biet is 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 a wonderful human being and I'm really excited to be able to connect with her hear about her story hear about her rituals and routines because I did one of her breathwork exercises recently and it's a very it's it's a it's a totally different take on breathwork. Typically, breathwork for me has been like an exhaustive experience. You know, like that the breathwork that I'm talking about is like that that Wim Hof style breathwork where it's like very very intense and it's lovely, like heavy heavy breathing and heavy heavy breath holds and all this. And and Biet sent me something to try, and it was very very different, mm-hmm. very very different. And the first couple of times I tried it, I was doing it in the morning. And I was probably in a rush and trying to get out of the house. And I didn't really have the experience that she was telling me um, where the, the, the breath work could potentially get you towards. So, I, so, so she suggested I try it in the evening. And I did. And I was a lot less stressed out. And I was way more open. And I had an experience that I, I, I don't even know how to begin to explain. It was um, amazing and scary and terrifying at the same time, but totally um, outer body actually. Like I felt like after I had done the experience, I, I, it's so clear that I I felt like I was, I was underwater, like in a clear, crystal clear 
body of water, pond, lake, something like that. It was definitely fresh water. And I was underwater looking up at the surface and the sur- the sun was kind of coming through and the the water was sort of rippling. It was kind of like one of those, like those ripple effects that I was experiencing. And then I kind of like got, I got scared and I shook myself out of it. Um, but we're going to do a little bit of that today. And I'm really excited to introduce Biet. Biet, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Michael. So I just, I just said a lot. I, I really want to just, I would love for you to introduce yourself. I'd love to, you know, to take five to 10 minutes for you to really walk us through your journey. I know that you have a lot of adversity early on and a lot of things that you had to come through to get to where you are at today, um, including walking into sobriety, including losing a child, um, lots of stuff that's really, really challenging that I'm sure has made you the enlightened person you are today. And I know that you also wanted to talk about a new sense of enlightenment that you've recently sort of uncovered. Yes, I'm redefining enlightenment because I'm tired of being uh, a goal-oriented psycho who's never endlessly disappointed with reality. So I've created something that lets us all relax. And I know that's something that people like us who are, I'm not type A per per se, but I'm someone who's very, um, what's that word? Driven? Driven, definitely. But what's that word that when you, I realized ambitious. Mm. Like I had to have a reckoning at one point in my life where I realized I'm really ambitious. Like my level of ambition, I think this, maybe we have this in common. As New Yorkers, your level of ambition is so different from most everyone on the planet because you're competing with like this 20 block radius <laughs> of total insanity that happens in New York, which is the people who are the most up to stuff or have created the most wealth. It's just like, it makes you crazy because when you live in New York, you're like, that's possible. Whereas like, if you live somewhere else, maybe you don't know that. You don't know that's possible. So you're like, oh, maybe I'll like, you know, do this thing and I'll have a family. And, you know, you look around you. I looked around me in New York and I was like, that's possible. Like Broadway is possible. Opera is possible. The ballet is possible. The Met. You know, I, I think it's interesting trying to explain what it's like growing up in a place like New York City. Mm. And I think the easiest way, because I've thought a lot about it in writings that I've done, yes, it's like an epicenter for culture, specifically in the United States of America. Yes. Right? Like, But I think globally, New York has been sort of an, an innovative hub for in many different categories and many different industries. But the one thing that I feel like is very, very consistent about New York that is impossible to escape from is momentum. There is constant momentum in New York. Totally. Just constant. You open up your eyes in the morning and there's noise. And it's not, it's not Mother Nature. No. It's, it's man-made noise. And so when it's man-made noise, that, that is, it, it feels like it's, it's pushing you along, right? It's, so there's this nonstop momentum in New York. And I think being kids that are exposed to that so young, mm. where it's just like, it's just, it's just movement, constant movements. You know, there's yeah. not very little serenity as very a kid little. there, yeah. you know, like even when you're at home and it's quiet, you know, like the noise, conking cars and sirens and it's there's there's very 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 few moments of absolute serenity in new york city so like you inherit that sort of ambition yeah ambition and then my dad was this awakened shaman guy who was kind of like a mix between santa claus and mr miyagi <laughs> and so like that's literally like what he looked like santa and so kids would think he was Santa Claus in the stores, like little bodegas. And they'd say to him, they'd like tug his little jacket and say, are you Santa? And he'd say, yes, I am. (laughs) And then he would proceed to buy them whatever they wanted at the store. Like he was just that kind of guy, you know? But one of the things he said to me growing up was like, you think it is a big fucking deal to reach enlightenment in the mountains of the Himalayan mountains? That is bullshit. He's like, you want to find enlightenment? Find it in New York City. That will show me you have balls. Like, that is real enlightenment. And so that's what he taught me. And, like, to me, yes, New York is a cesspool of bad moods and terrible weather and crime and whatever. I've been, like, everything. I've been held up at gunpoint. I've been almost raped. I've been chased with a chainsaw through the streets of the Lower East Side. Like, you name it, I've been through it. But 
I feel like I lived in grace, you know? And that's, I think, partially as a result of being his daughter. Mm. What up, podcast fam? I am interrupting this episode to quickly remind you that Creatures of Habit is no longer just an instant or overnight high-protein oatmeal company. We are now a full-system wake-up-to-wind-down habit company. Start your day with meal one, which a lot of you already do. And now, of course, we're a few weeks into the launch of Nightcap, which is a sleep support elixir that is an unbelievably delicious cup of hot chocolate with amazing ingredients that are going to help you relax, fall, and stay asleep. So start your day with meal one, finish with Nightcap, start strong, finish strong, stay strong, back to the show. So let's walk, let's let's sort of take it back a little bit. Yeah. Tell us about what it was like growing up in the mind of Biet as a child. Well, I was, I came to this planet with this gift, you know, I think you are like that in the, in the same way. It's like a lineage thing. You just come with a certain thing. People always saw it in me. They always talked about how special I was and they saw something in me. And I, you know, I like that I'm a, an egomaniac. So I was like, yes, I'll, I'll drink that in. But at the same time, I was very, very depressed. Um, my life was very tragic. We were very poor. We were Russian immigrants, Russian Jews coming here with absolutely nothing. We had government cheese coming to our house and my grandparents were raising us Monday through Friday. It was just very like my mom and dad both working two jobs. It wasn't like, you know, good old times. Like it was crazy. But um, that would have been fine if that was really what was the, the big problem. It was that my mom dropped dead out of nowhere when I was six. And I don't know, like I knew that that was a tragedy, but it took me becoming a mom, an adult, like I actually have children today to really get how tragic that is, like to lose a mother, like how unsettling. And I put on like a leather jacket the moment she died and was like, I am fucking fine. I'm fine. Which is such a lie, you know, like I could have, couldn't have been further from fine. It was so painful to lose my mom. And then everyone else died. Everyone, like every single one of my grandparents. And it was just me, my father, and my brother left. And my father wasn't really like a dad. Like there was no bedtimes. You didn't have to do your homework. There was no rules. There was, and he didn't care about money. So we didn't have any security. We didn't have health insurance. Just everything was like just a dream world. Cause my dad was a, like a shaman. It would be like if your mom dies and you're left with like Eckhart Tolle as your dad basically. And like this dude who's like, now is the only present moment. You know, like with a dude with like an accent talking to you about the meaning of reality at all times. Like it was like four in the morning, we'd be up, you know, talking about the meaning of life. And so he raised me, he taught me fourth way wisdom, which is what my book, my first book is based on fourth way. And fourth way is this idea of finding enlightenment in the real world. Like while you're wearing plain clothes, while you're winning Academy Awards, while you're up to shit, while you're going to the gym, while you're having sex with your wife, while you're buying real estate or building a pool. Those are things that you, we don't associate with enlightenment. We associate enlightenment with like wearing a robe and like being perfect and having no more feelings. It's like, no, fourth way is for people who have feelings, who have ups and downs, who lose themselves and find themselves again, 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 again. So if you had to, for, for the audience, like if you had to describe what a, like distinctly what, what fourth way is, what is it? It's enlightenment for the everyman or it's enlightenment for someone who wants to be in the world. What is enlightenment? Well, I've redefined it. So I think it's hard to, there's the old definition we, we had uh, growing up, I'm sure you're familiar with, which is that once you reach it, you have a white light experience. You've heard the original story, right, of enlightenment. Like I don't think ev- I have. I mean, if you read like Siddhartha or if you read- I, I love Siddhartha. Yeah, or like the Bible tells you Jesus was enlightened and, you know, Buddha was apparently enlightened and then the, the, he sat under a Bodhi tree and he never had a feeling again, right? That's- it's, the, it's, the, it's the moment where everything sort of clicks and you're, you're, you're at one with God. Basically. Yes, yes, yes. And so I spent my whole life- you know, reading every single book that I could get and thinking, this is the Holy Grail. If I can just find this thing, I'm going to be free from this fucking hellhole that is earth where people die, where I'm afraid, where I'm insecure, where I have doubt, where I want things and I don't get them sometimes, where I have breakups, where my heart breaks and get this, I'm going to drop dead one day. Oh, and it could happen at any minute. Sorry. We don't tell you when it's going to happen. It could just 
to just hold on, hold tight, because you could die at any minute. So like that whole thing is happening. And I'm like, if I could just find enlightenment, I'll be free. And so I kept looking for it. I kept looking for it and looking for it. And I looked for it in heroin. I looked for it in cocaine. I looked for it in mushrooms, LSD, ayahuasca, frogs, venom, like you fucking name it. And then I, I looked for it in sobriety. I looked for it in all the things I did once I found sobriety. And guess what? I found it. <laughs> like I fucking found it, right? And then... Not only that, I found it and then I became famous for having found it. And people put me on podiums and flew me all across the world so that I could speak about enlightenment. And you know what? I'm a wizard at enlightenment, so I'm good at speaking about enlightenment. And I make it sound good. And I have that thing that I've had my whole life, that magic thing that everyone's like, ooh, she has that thing, right? But at the end of the day, it's like, no, no, I still had bad moods after I found enlightenment. Hmm, that's weird. And I still fought with my husband after I found enlightenment. I was like, that's not what they told me was going to happen. I was like, oh, wait. And I still had financial fear after I found enlightenment. I'm like, listen, buddy, like, this is not what I signed up for. You know, mm. I'm still trying to fine tune my workouts. I still think <laughs> like, oh, my God, I have a little bit of cellulite on my thigh. Like, that was not supposed to be part of enlightenment. So, Finally, after years and years of suffering through that, from being on stage and then leaving stage and feeling like something was missing and feeling like I was lying to people, it came to me that, well, through meditation, I meditated on my friend. My friend created this wheel about enlightenment, about enlightenment and about brilliance was what he did. He did like a course study on what does it take to be brilliant? Mm. And it inspired me to meditate on what does it mean to be enlightened? So I created a new wheel that defines enlightenment. I can share it with you. Yeah, please. Cool. So the idea is that enlightenment isn't a moment. It isn't like you moment and then you become perfect. Instead, it's like a process. So it has many different parts. So imagine like a wheel. So there's like, or a clock, 12 o'clock, three o'clock, six o'clock, nine o'clock, right? So 12 o'clock would be enlightenment. It's that moment, that white light where you remember exactly who you are. And you like, touch your chest and you run through the wind and you feel, wow, like all that pain I went through was all worth it because I am amazing and it's beautiful and God exists and whatever, you know? Mm. And then of course it's followed by something else. And I'm going to call that three o'clock and three o'clock is creative flow. Creative flow is where you go into this state and you're being tasked by that inception that happened in enlightenment where you're being tasked to create something. Now it could be a restaurant or it could be a podcast, or it could be a relationship with someone, or it could be a book, or it could be a business. Like, it could be anything, but you're being tasked with something. Enlightenment isn't just a thing. It's like Nikola Tesla had enlightenment, and then, you know, that's, people— and, and that's what made—that's that. how people found out that he was potentially enlightened. Yeah, but then he did some stuff. Like, right. he didn't just sit there and feel enlightened. Like, if we just fell 12 o'clock all the time, we'd be, like, walking orgasms. And also, like, how effective would we be? But can I ask you a quick question before yeah. we go into the to the to further into the three and then into the six? Like, yeah. was there a moment where, when you said you found enlightenment, was there a moment that you can recall that you were like, this is it? Many, many, many such moments. Many white light experiences that I've had. Wow. And all of them led me to feel that feeling, except ego was involved. So I was like, it's happening. I finally got here, you know? And I was like, it's over all and my pain. It came through meditation? It came through meditation. It came through retreats. It came through breath work. It came through breath work with specific healers. It came through, God, I mean, I've done so many things. And I would say most of my enlightened moments have been sober, stark sober. And so, but each one was like, with this kind of like pressure of like, it's over now. All your pain is gone and you're free from suffering. That's the promise that I was given. And so, and then I was like still fucking human after each event. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't what I signed up for. So shall I keep going? with Yeah, yeah, please. So three o'clock is creative flow. And you can get stuck at any point. If you get stuck in enlightenment, basically you're just walking around faking being enlightened. You know, people like that. They're like, Hi, you know, it's like this whole pretense, right? Mm -hmm. Or three o'clock, it's like you're stuck in creative flow. So you're like in your house somewhere, not making any money, not actually reaching anyone, but you're making something, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, how great is your creative process if you're not actually sharing it with anybody? Sure. It's not like you're Marcus Aurelius or Rumi, like no one's going to know about what you did, you know? So anyway, six o'clock is 
I think, the antithesis of enlightenment. And I believe today it's actually a part of enlightenment. And that's achievement. It's kind of like a part where you like spreadsheets, cold calls, business development, reaching out to people, media. That's part of enlightenment, you know? And I, I think also as somebody who grew up being raised by a shaman, there was a part of me that was like, it's wrong to make money as a spiritual teacher. It's wrong to actually... But the truth is, is that if you don't do this stuff, you're not going to help anybody. That's how one helps someone, is like by calling them and saying, hey, just so you know, I founded this breathwork thing. Want to feel it? You know, which is what I did with you, right? And, that, and then you felt it, and then you've had this amazing experience. It's like, that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't just called you. Mm. So that's six. And then nine o'clock is humility. And humility is like when you get hit in the face with the fact that life is a harsh, cold planet where everything turns to crap and nothing goes our way. Have you ever had that experience? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so that to me is like a beautiful moment where, you know, I'm about to go do something with the New York Times, but then they cancel. Or I was about to do a huge event at Madison Square Garden and then they pulled out like two weeks before. Shit like that happens all through a person who's successful's career that you don't hear about on the, on the Instagram, you know, or I do, I share my shit on the Instagram. But like, the point is, is like, it's not fun, but you fall to your knees if you know what you're doing and you just say, I fucking don't know what I'm doing. This hurts. It hurts. And if you're doing my work, you do a somatic practice with it and you feel the pain of how painful it is to lose these opportunities, to not get what you want, to feel like you're a worthless piece of crap, to be drawn back to trauma from your childhood and feel like, oh my God, I'm really a worthless piece of crap, right? And you fall to your knees and you realize you're nothing and boom, 12 o'clock, enlightenment. And so we go over and over. But you need to know how to do each part well and know that each part is actually serving the other and if you realize that they're all serving each other there's not this feeling of distance you know to me today because i have this wheel whenever i hit six o'clock or three o'clock or nine o'clock i'm i'm always like mm. they're entwined so like if i'm in enlightenment i'm like i'm really a worthless piece of crap also so there's not this ego to it or if i'm in creative flow i'm like yeah, but soon I'm going to have to be making like spreadsheets and like reaching out to people. And if I'm in, in spreadsheet land, I'm like, and soon I'm going to get lots of rejections. Like it's all this gorgeous dance. And it's no longer like a surprise every time I hit the new aspect of the wheel. You know, like I have like a warm, fuzzy feeling after listening to you say that. Because I think what you're basically saying is... Life is an arena of enlightenment and it's, a, and it's, and it's basically a, if you can be aware of these different elements that exist for everyone or, or, or are available for everyone, yeah. then, so like what I was thinking about listening to you and I was trying to like sort of place like these different moments and what I kind of came to was I kind of feel like. I walk through the the circle every day, mm -hmm. every day, and 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 so my moment, my twelve o'clock is typically at around six thirty five, six forty a.m. Mm -hmm. I have this crazy morning routine that I do that I love doing, and mm -hmm. you know I do it when I'm home. I don't get to do it when I'm traveling, but I you know I'm home most of the time, so I I I, I do it every day for the most part, and I sit in the cold water. Mm. After all these other things that I've done, meditation, breath work, reading, journaling, mm. you know, all this shit that I love doing. And then I finish it in the cold water for five minutes, Whoa. four to five minutes. And once I get out of the cold water, I have a, I, it's in my garage and I have skylights in my garage. And the beauty of now, the, the spring coming in is that the sun is coming up earlier. So... Mm. And I've only really started noticing this recently. The sun is up now at 6.30 in the morning and I get out of this cold water and I'm on cloud nine. I feel amazing, mm -hmm. even though it was very painful what I had just done. Every mm. time I do it, it is 
painful. Wow. Like truly painful. Like for the, I, I count 25 breaths typically in the cold, nice long in through my nose, out through my nose, slow, long breaths into my tummy. The first 15 seconds, the first seven seconds are my body just sort of like going numb. The next seven seconds, my, my, my joints and my fingers and my toes seize up. And so from seven to 15, I'm in pain true, true pain, like it's like very, very painful. And then after 15 seconds, every single morning, it subsides. And I think it's because I have Raynaud's. I think I have Raynaud's, which is an autoimmune thing. But regardless, it's very painful. I get out of there and I feel like a zillion dollars. And then I stand there, I get out of the tub, I've got this wooden thing that I stand (laughs) on and I look up and the sun is up and I open my arms and I say, God, guide me. I literally, it's so cheesy. But I do it every morning. I say, God, guide me. I open my arms, open my arms and I'm there and I'm feeling like so mm. like available for life. And I look up and I say, God, guide me. And then I turn around and I walk over to the mirror and I just look at myself in the eyes and I say, you're a good guy. Mm. You're a good dude. You, today is going to be a good day. Doesn't matter what happens, man. I don't tell myself that I'm amazing and I'm a fucking billionaire and I'm going to be, I'm going to fucking drive a a yacht. I'm, you know, I'm going to, you know, I just say, dude, you're a good guy. That's all I want to hear from my, like, how often do we look at ourselves in the eyes? Genuinely, right? Like we, you and I probably because of our past and we've, we've spent a lot more time looking into other people's eyes, trying to determine how we feel. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Then like I started doing this thing where I was looking myself in the mirror, in the eyes, really, really just zeroing in on that eye contact. And I was like, oh my God, I see you. Mm. Like, I see you, dude. You're a good person. Just, like, believe that. Just know that you are. And then I walk into my house and, I, and that's, my, that's my 12 o'clock every fucking day. Totally. And then it's followed by the three, six and the nine, right? And yeah. And it's, you know, and then it's like, family time and then work creative three yeah and then investor calls six yeah and then investor rejections nine yeah (laughs) totally um i love it i love it and then that gives us like this ability to just have it be something we have right so i don't have to feel so upset when that 12 o'clock leaves right when i'm like in the email thread you know what i mean Mm. I, you know, you said something earlier that your dad would say, like, it's all about the present moment, you know, and only really in the last, I mean, obviously there's royalty, you know, for, you know, there's, there's been kingdoms, right? In the, in the, in our history, you know, Roman king, you know, there's kingdoms, Uh, but the drive for things is a relatively new thing hmm. in human existence. In, 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 in comparison to how long humans have been up on two feet, the drive for material things mm. is new. Okay. Well, two, 300 years maybe, right? And, and really, really in the last 75 years has it been completely like it's exponential, right? Like. Sure cars and houses and boats and you know jewelry and you know the things the things that we see that 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 a lot of people equate to oh that person's successful happiness yeah yeah success happiness oh god standing in front of a fucking rolls royce yeah must be killing it in life so it's a new thing for us and from from like my like it's just untrue it's untrue Mm. happiness from my experience is a feeling that you 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 work for mm-hmm. you know you work for but it doesn't have to do with pressure it's not like a pressure pressure mm-hmm. is not going to create diamonds in the mind pressure creates diamonds underground yeah but but pressure from my experience is not going to create diamonds in our mind because we ultimately want to be connected and pressure disconnects us. That's true. I mean, this is sort of like, a, I, I believe that that's at the core of what happiness is, right? Connection. 
connection. Yeah. Isn't it? I think so. It's one of the things for sure. All right. So I'm going to stop talking. So why don't you, can, can you tell us about what your morning routine looks like? Because it's, that's, you know, like I think, I think yeah. a lot of people that listen to this podcast really do come for a bunch of stuff, but, but love to hear sort of what someone like you would do in the morning. Sure. I think it'll be helpful for, for any of your woman listeners, because I am a mom. I'm currently a mom of a two-month-old, too. Um, so my morning routine looks very different than what it looked like before I had children. So I have a four-year-old and now a two-month-old. Before they were born, my morning routine looked like waking up and immediately, well, going to make an espresso back then, because I liked coffee back then. Uh, that has since changed. Um, but I would drink an espresso and then I would go meditate for 30 minutes. To me, meditation, like if it's less than 30 minutes, doesn't even work. I mean, I love it. Like I'll do it, especially if I'm like in the presence of someone else who's like fostering it for some reason or something, you know, whatever. But I have found for myself, it's in those last five minutes that I get like the bliss state. It's like 25 minutes of like, blah, blah, That's blah. That's I've never <laughs> meditated for 30 minutes. Oh, it really does happen in those last five minutes. Oh, like the 25, <laughs> the 25 minutes of like, not hell, but it's kind of like, you know, oftentimes it's stress release and thoughts and, and then something happens at 25 minutes. And I've, I've literally timed this, clocked it over and over. I'm like, it's happening. And I'm like, oh, wow, of course it's happening. Cause it's like, I have five minutes left and I'll sit there and I'm just like, not a thought in my mind, something, you know, amazing happens. Anyway, so after the 30 minutes, I would do my guided by Biet breath work, like the special breath work that we're going to be doing later today. And that, as you know, only takes like four, five minutes, which is exciting and like very easy to do. I love that my breath work isn't work. You know, like you just described something that's so much work, like you get in the water, that's, that's real work. And there's so many things that I do that are real work, which I'll, I'll get into. And after that, I move into a movement practice, which to me is work. I do either Pilates or I'll do like a soul cycle class. This is all very like silly sounding, but like it's important. And I feel like for me, Pilates and soul cycle and those like types of things help me with mood stuff. Like I feel like they've vanquished a lot of sadness and depression that often lives inside my body for somatic reasons. That's my main practice. And then what I do is through the day, I'll do somatic practices through the day. So if something comes up that is troubling me, I'll either stop and pause and do some prayer, which only takes about 30 seconds, and or I'll stop and do uh, some breath work, which again takes about three, four minutes. And if I have a longer stretch of time, I'll do a full somatic practice, which takes about 20 minutes. So talk to us really quickly, just for everyone, including myself, somatic. Somatic. So somatic means incorporating both body movement and breath concentrated on certain topics of upset. So for instance, if I have a, sh a moment of shock in my life, that the shock is based on usually a feeling of shame or a feeling of rage, right? So if shame or rage come into my life for whatever reason, and they're, they come upon because I said something weird and I shouldn't have said it, or they come upon because like I felt a certain way when I was around someone, mm -hmm. or I felt a certain way because it triggered some past memory that was really painful for me. Sometimes we don't really know what's going on when we have an upset too. Like we're often just like, I don't, I'm just upset, but I don't know why. So I'll sit down and do a 20 minute, this is also going to be part of the courses that I released this year. It's a 20 minute somatic course that allows you to mix breath work and body movement to, and then allows you to allocate where in your body that particular stressor is actually living. And it allows you to name that stressor and then find the memory associated with that stressor, which is so relieving because oftentimes the memory, not often, but always the memory is associated with something that happened before the age of 12. And so if I can do that, what happens is that I separate Biet pre-12 years old Biet and 44-year-old Biet, which is what I am now, and they become two separate people. And that freedom of being able to, to hold both. Now, the truth is, is that 12-year-old, 6-year-old, 8-year-old Biet, or 6-year-old Biet who lost her mother, or, you know, all these Biets that lived before and lived through all this trauma, they're never going to die. Like, I think there's a part of us that wants to, like, outrun these people, but the truth is, is that they're trapped in time. The way time works is that that person is for forever. Or if you were like raped or molested or your house burnt down or a close one died or whatever happened to you, like that's happening infinitum forever in time because time doesn't work the way we 
think it works. So the moment you get triggered in real, real time, you go right back to that moment. That person's still living there, living through that trauma. So if you become entwined with them and you think you are them, then you're fucking stuck for the day and you feel crazy. But if you can just separate yourself and then soothe that person, which is what somatic work allows you to do, then you are calm. You can move on with your day because you're not, you know, you're not confusing yourself with the. You know, uh, gosh, I'm like, I'm, it's like emotional talking about it, hearing you say it because I'm currently working on some serious inner child stuff right now. Mm. I'm like doing like a pretty intense thing, mm. and um, I, I also have a ton of trauma from my childhood, and I've done so much work on it over the years, mm. tons of work on it. But, and I'm totally aware, acknowledge, and have come to terms with what's happened. The problem I think that I've just recently discovered was that I thought I had quote unquote dealt with it. But what I didn't know was mm. that just being aware of what's happened and talking with therapists about it and talking with AA sponsors and doing a bunch of writing on it doesn't mean that I've actually connected with the feelings and the emotions mm. of that Amen. person. And so what I'm currently going through is, for the first time ever, experiencing the sadness of mm. the five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old Michael Chernow. And it's so sad. It's so sad. Oh, I'm like, I've been like my emotions when I do the work and I can't do a lot of it and I, I can't do it all the time. Sure, right. Like sure. I've been doing it like in spurts mm -hmm. because it's, it's super real for me. Yeah. Like I am like, oh my gosh, I could never imagine treating a child like that being a father knowing that I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old son. I could never, ever. No, and I'm not, this isn't like, oh, God, victim me, victimizing my story. This is yeah. like, holy shit, this shit happened to me, and I've never been in tune with those emotions. Totally. I was so sad. And it just, and, and the sadness, ultimately, for me, made me fucking angry, you know? And so I'm like, really, it's so interesting that you talk about that, because that those because now I'm experiencing what those feelings, like the feelings of that child for the first time, really, like, oh, my God, like I wanted to sleep at every single one of my friend's houses. Anytime I had an opportunity to stay out of my house, right. I did. Begged my friends very, very strategically as a little kid knew that I had to make my friend's parents like me. Because wow. if they liked me, then I can sleep over. Resourceful. Yeah. Yeah. And so just like the, like, it's just that, what you said, that freezing and the, 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 that, that person. Yes. That emotion, that trauma, that thing is, is frozen in time. Mm -hmm. And if you don't actually do the work. And this isn't for everyone. Not everybody has trauma, right? Actually, everyone has trauma. Well, everyone probably Some does people have, have Small letter T trauma is what they call it. Like you were at a party and you felt weird and something, like nothing actually happened. But actually it's like ding, ding. Something happened. Yeah. yeah. Like a girl, you were there and she looked at you funny it, it, and you, your pants were wet. Like it, it could have been so small. A lot of people don't even remember what happened. It's so funny. I remember when I was probably in fifth or sixth grade, we were, I was wearing tacky pants. <laughs> we were at the library and I went, I was with a bunch of kids and it was like a girl that I was like madly in love with. Yeah, of course. And we went into the library. <laughs> I went, we were in the library on 79th Street between 2nd and 3rd Avenue. I went to use the bathroom in the library and somehow my my dick got caught on my pants what? and I pissed down the side of my pants. Like I like pulled oh, it out and it got caught inside, like in the zipper or something. And I just didn't realize it. And I like peed all the way down the side of my pants. And it was one of the most traumatic. Totally. Like I'll, I will never forget that. Yeah. You know? Um, so now I'm definitely very <laughs> mindful about when I pee in public, in, in, in a public setting. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. I, the, the, the inner child stuff is so, it's so, uh, intense. It's so intense. It's so intense. I think we should do the breath work. Okay. 
I think we should do the breath yeah. work. So I thought today we could do the breath work light, like I was telling you. So in my course, there'll be several videos. There's the video of the one on the floor, which is the one you did. And the one on the floor has the capacity to make you pass out, has the capacity to make you think you're going to die. Um, the one we're going to do today has a capacity to make you still feel a little bit concerned. Like I definitely wouldn't do it while driving or operating heavy machinery. So I just want to give anyone who's going to try this at home with us that warning. Um, but we're going to do it seated. So I've done this in the back of taxi cabs in New York City. I've done this in airplanes. Like when I'm just like sitting in my chair, I also get a little bit afraid of flying. So it's helpful in that regard. Um, so we're just going to do it seated. Okay. I just want to also just before we do this, just preface that when Biet says, um, this could make you like the the full version of this yeah. could make you feel like you're going to pass out. Yeah. Could make you really, really um, have an experience that is super unique and scary. Yeah, like you're not lying. Yeah, you want to be safe. I've seen people really get hurt. I fell. Yeah. Fo- I fell. I fell. I was doing it on the floor. I had my mattress in front of me. I was like on the floor, the bed was here and I was up in the thing. I was holding my breath and I literally lunged forward. Yeah. Because I, it was a very weird, weird experience. It's so crazy when it happens. And the thing is, is you can do the breath work over and over and the varied experiences. It's not always going to be the same experience. Yeah. All right. So, so let's so, so so we'll walk try. us through. So, well, let me walk you through it first because since people All are... Right, some people are not going to be watching. So let's also make sure that we're explaining it. You know what I mean? Yes. As if someone's just listening. Oh, okay. Got it. So the way you're going to do this is you're going to be seated and your hands are going to go up into the air like this. at at the chest level. So your arms are up in the air on either side of your chest and you're going to inhale through your mouth, always through your mouth, inhale like this. And as you inhale, you're arching your back a little bit back. Then as you exhale through the mouth, you're arching forward. So it looks like this. So you inhale, arch back through the mouth, exhale through the mouth. And you want to make sure that you're exhaling very deeply, filling both the belly and the lungs. And you want to make sure that you're really relaxing while you do it. This is a key component. I think one of the little ingredients that I gave you when you texted me and you were like, it's not working. I was like, you need to relax like a billion times more. And then we got to the evening idea, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you don't relax, you won't attain anything in life. That is my theory, you know. Bar none, like if you want to get shit done, you got to fucking relax because relaxation is where the universe or God or whatever you want to call it enters and does the thing for you, right? I have yet to do something in my life, to be fair, right? Like I'm an amazing channel. I'm an amazing get the fuck out of the way so that magical shit can happen. Not that I don't get in my own way still a million times all the time, but I know how to step aside. And if you know how to step aside, like- Wow, like life is so beautiful. And that stepping aside is relaxing. It's just relaxing. Yeah, you just kind of relax. Yeah, Yeah, like you're not, you don't need to do much is is the keynote, right? So you're inhaling, you're exhaling, and I'm going to keep reminding you as we go to just relax. All right, so do you want to, are you going to do it with me or are you going to walk me through it? We're going to do it together. Okay, and I'm just going to close my eyes and listen to you? Yes, you can also keep your eyes open for this breath work too, in case you want to, because what happens is a holotropic kind of visual effect. And so like the world just becomes like much more, you know, hyper color, technicolor, beautiful. So that's another option. Okay. If you're listening to this and you want to watch this, this will be up on YouTube. But if you are watching this, just know that we're going to be walking through it. And if you're listening, just, you know, you can do it with us through your audio. Yeah. And just be seated somewhere safe that if if you were going to pass out, um, your hands are up and that way that they'll catch you if you fall forward and try to make sure there's nothing behind you. Like I've seen people fall backwards, like do not fall backwards, just sit. And if you're going to fall, try to fall forwards, if that makes sense. Got it. Okay. Getting ready, arms up in the air and just setting an intention before we begin to have a completely new experience with breath work and any breath work you've done before, just being open to this being totally fucking different. All right, let's go. Inhale one and arch back and release. Inhale two even deeper and release. Relax even more. Inhale three. And release. 
And on the fourth one, hold at the top, belly out, chin up. Belly out, chin up. Look up at the ceiling above you, hold the breath. And then hit the chest, release the air. I totally forgot to give people the final instructions. So we're going to have to to give the final instructions. What's the final instructions? The final instructions are on the fourth breath. you got to hold your breath, puff your belly out like you're pregnant, and look at the the ceiling or sky above you. See, because you know what's so interesting? I remember in the time that I did it where it was like really intense for me, it was that moment where I actually let my belly extend out. Yeah. And made sure that my my neck was straight up and I was holding my breath with the, my belly extended out and my butt back a little yes, bit. Yes, yeah. Was when I was like, oh my God, it's happening. Yeah, because these are the key components of this breath work. Is like okay. they you can't remove them. So we're breathing three times in and out through the mouth. And the fourth time, you hold the breath at the top. Hold it, really hold it. Puff the belly out like you're pregnant. I was just recently pregnant, so I still kind of look pregnant. And you're just kind of puffing it out. And then you look up at the sky above you and you're holding your breath. It looks like this. And then you hit the chest, which is like just to kind of touch this heart center. The idea behind this breathwork is that you're marrying your sex center with your heart. It's like your sex energy is rising up through your spine and kissing your heart center and finding that sweet spot. Like, isn't that what we, isn't that what we came here to do? Let's go. Like, that's my soulmate right there. Mm-hmm. Like, my heart and my pussy. Like, you know, in your case, obviously, it's different, <laughs> different genitalia, but like, you know. It's this marriage, right? So we're going to do it again. Let's do a couple rounds. With this one, again, setting intention. If you feel comfortable, you can put your hands in heart center. And if you're listening to this at home or watching us at home, just, um, you know, ask to have a new experience and be open. I like to say, please help me. That's a mantra I really like. Please help me. And then arms out. And begin. Inhale one through the mouth. And release. Inhale two, but deeper. And release. Relax even more. Three. And release. And this fourth one, hold at the top. Hold the breath. Belly out, chin up. Hold the breath. And hit the chest. Release. Can we go right into the next one? Yes. Ready? Inhale one. Release. Inhale two. Release. Three. Release. And four. Hold at the top. Belly out. Chin up. Hold the breath. Belly out. Chin up. And hit the chest. It's like a very, it feels very, like everything feels very clear. It's a weird feeling. It almost feels like I am, I mean, I guess the only thing that I can really think about is A, I feel baselined out, which I think is almost the purpose of doing doing something like this, where you're just trying to just like, bring it down. But if I think about what the feeling I just had was, I haven't done ecstasy or MDMA in a very, very long time. But there's this moment where you start to feel that happen and everything just becomes super duper crystal clear. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know that moment. I remember that. (laughs) And so... 
I feel like like if if I was alone, I probably would have done. Oh shit! If I was alone, I probably and doing it in the chair, I probably would have done three or four rounds. Yeah. And then sat. Yes. Right. And, however, the version that I did, um, where I had that crazy experience, I did one. Yeah. Thing. One, one cycle. Round. Yeah. And and there would have been no like me stopping <laughs> to talk to you. Totally. You know, um, it's so interesting how you've been able to like sort of break it into a few different uh, levels of intensity, which I think is so cool. I, if you can almost hear in my voice that I'm in a way more sort of like relaxed yeah. state. Yeah. And it's so great for people who are up to shit. I mean, imagine you have this tool that you can use before you go into a boardroom or before you go to fundraise or before you go to have a high stakes conversation with someone. I do it when I'm on stage in front of thousands of people. I mean, I'm doing this event with Russell Brand this summer and he's talked about this too, how like he just couldn't understand why this would happen whenever we would do the breath work together. He would collapse forward and then completely forget who he was for a few seconds. And it's just like, then we go on the stage and we do it. And there's thousands of people in front of me right before I start. I do the breath work. I can do it without anyone noticing I'm doing it at this point. The breath work? Yeah, because once you get really good at it, you can start to kind of just do it, you know, and then hold your breath, look up, and then come back. And you're like, whoa, and you're tripping. And everyone's, you know, there's thousands of people in front of you. You're on stage. These would be moments where I would have been stressed or thinking about myself or wondering whether my career is going to go the way I want it, whatever. Like, I don't have to do any of that today. I get to just get high as fuck and then be with people, truly, truly be with their essence. And I'm like, you have no idea what's happening with me right now. And I'm not hungover. And I'm not destroying my family. And I'm not like scouring the streets of Bushwick looking for heroin, you know, but I'm getting all the same effects. Wow. So for the person listening that is in that place where the majority of us are, yeah. which is pressure. The pressure that doesn't create diamonds, you know, mm, mm. the pressure that that uh, sort of hinders us from moving sometimes. Yes. You know, it's like a lot of us experience that it like it's debilitating because we're gunning for the things, you know. Mm. And so for that person or those people and me at times and I'm sure you at times. Right. Sure. What's a what's a little piece to just to just give people a little a little advice to give people peace of mind that like it's all gonna be all right. You know, it's not in the advice, right? I mean, you hear our voice, our being. I think the reason if anyone's tuning into this, they're tuning into it because you and I have a level of being that is attractive to them. I connect with people who have attractive levels of being because it reminds me of my own level of being. I can easily forget. I am born to forget. Every day I am set to forget who I am, what's happening here, the meaning of it all, the purpose. I'm set to forget that love is the center of all things. I'm set to forget that feeling we just experienced by doing that breath work. I literally wake up every single day and have no idea what the fuck is going on. And I'm sure everyone listening on some level feels the same way, even if they're not aware of it. Like, I'm here to tell you, you have no idea what the fuck's going on. And so if you're willing to connect with people who have a level of being, that reminds you of who you are. And you do the things that they're doing, right? Like I didn't just, okay, great. Me and Michael just did some breath work. Good for us. Pat us on the back. Wow, we're so amazing. Let's cold plunge next. You know what I mean? Like we, we do a lot of stuff. We do a lot of stuff to be as incredibly attuned as we are and to even to have found each other and to be doing great things in the world, right? Mm -hmm. If people want what we have, they need to do what we do. No advice is going to is going to strike that. Like even me just saying this, it's like already resonating in someone's mind is like, I already know that. I already know what she's, what she's peddling over there. Mm -hmm. Not because it's nothing new, but because we love each other. We're, we're made of the same stuff. 
What's going on guys? It is Wednesday, June 7th, and you know what time it is. It's giveaway time. Uh, this week's giveaway is going to Andy Dandy one She writes, I have just recently found this podcast and I love it so much. I'm a mom of three who has always loved everything health and fitness, but have fallen off track, so I'm looking for podcasts to help me get back the inspiration I need. I align with this podcast a lot and always feel inspired and energized and helps me stay focused on my goals. Andy, I can't thank you enough for writing this awesome review, giving us a five-star rating, and congratulations on being a mom of three, getting back on track. Uh, do us a favor and write a DM to Creatures of Habit on Instagram, or you can email info at creaturesofhabit.com, and we will get you out either a box of meal one or a bag of nightcap on us back to the show. I have moments where I question my, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's only recently have I been questioning this sort of, I think, you know, I heard, <laughs> I got an email probably about two or three months ago from someone who I like, a guy that I like a lot. And the email said, I used to wake up and meditate and stretch and read and write and sauna and cold plunge and blah, blah, da, da, da. And he said, and then one day I realized that I didn't like doing any of that. Hmm. I wanted to just wake up and do whatever I want to do. And he said he feels better now. Mm. And I was like, wait a second. Like, is that, am I doing this for the wrong reason? Do I do the things that I do for the wrong reason? And so I caught myself. I was like, am I a phony? Hmm. Am I, a, am I, is this all, am I a phony? Hmm. That email, right? And how interesting is that? It's an email. An email can have me question my whole entire, like all the things that I've been doing for so for years to be, grounded because mm. i'm an extreme fucking maniac and i need i need structure and things to keep me mm. from you know attacking everything around me Amen. in like good and bad ways and so i put myself like i was like wait a second like do i is it would it be better would it be a better life if i just like woke up and did whatever i wanted to do and like didn't give myself any like the like and then i said what the fuck Dude, I love, I love myself. Mm. I love caring for myself. Yeah. I need to care for myself. Yeah. Why do you, why would I allow what somebody else thinks or does to impact the thing that I know is what helps me love my family? Mm. I love my family. <coughs> Amen. And I love my family so much more when I love myself. Yeah. And I need to take steps every single day because I naturally, organically, don't love myself. Yeah. Naturally, organically, I hate myself, mm. unfortunately. Mm. That's the truth. And so I've put these practices in place every single day Yeah, to help me love myself more because I show up to the world just as a better human when I love myself, um, you know? And so when people ask me like, oh God, you're like one of these guys, you know, oh, you're fucking this and you're that and you're this. And I'm yeah. like, actually, yes, I am. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I do it. And, 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 and the breath work that you talk about and meditating for a half an hour and like these things, like people can question and roll their eyes. Most people that are listening to this podcast are either doing that stuff or very, very curious. Yeah. Or like my mother, <laughs> my mom, um, you know, but like, the truth is, is that all the things that we do on a daily basis, the habits that we consistently do that actually make us feel good, yes. make us feel good, that don't cost money necessarily, mm. sh you should not question. We get one day to put it on the board. We get one day. You get one. That's it. You know, you said it, you said it earlier, like. You could drop dead at any moment. We're never get, we're never told when it's going to happen. You just boom, you know. I, I was speaking to a guy in the podcast the other day, um, really amazing coach in the world of CrossFit, and he said, "You know, Mike, he said there's going to be a last time you pick up your son and kiss him on the on the lips, you know." <laughs> and I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "There's going to be a last time, man. You know, you're not going to do that when the, when he's like fucking thirty. You're not going to pick him up and tell him you love him and feel that love like so much that you can 
I mean, I'm now elaborating on what he said, but like I was listening to the podcast yeah. this morning and he was like, there's going to be a last time. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, think about that. I think about it every day. I actually have a grief meditation that I do where I bring myself to moments of like, I'll picture my own daughter, Cash, laying on her deathbed at the age of 90 and taking her last breath. Oof. And I think it's interesting when my daughter was born, Cash was born, I was like, I just murdered this person. I know it's weird, but like I gave birth to her. And by doing so, I set her up to die one day. And there's something so heartbreaking about that. Not that it's my fault, but that it's like, that's my gift to her is that I, I helped her to have a life where she will one day die. And there's, it's so fucking sad. And so I do this 30 second grief meditation. I do it all the time. And there's this rabbi who actually taught me um, this routine on some level. He said, for 10 minutes a day, I just practice grief. He's like, I just think about all the woes of humanity and all the sadness of my life. Ten minutes a day, un, like non-negotiably. He's like, because if I don't do it, it's going to come at me always sideways when I'm not wanting it to. Or I'm going to, you know, be struck by the, the amount of grief that's on this planet and inside me. Anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, just, no. Yeah, I mean, that's indeed. But, but that sounds a lot like, for me, you know. A lot of these things also, these these habits and these rituals and these routines, it takes discipline. Yeah. You know, it takes discipline. Mm-hmm. And what I've sort of gathered from this podcast, I launched a business around it, is that discipline does ultimately equal freedom. It does, yeah. You know, like when you're able, when you know, when you have real confidence and the fact that you can do, you can say something, mm-hmm. and do it. Unwaver, and that doesn't mean that you're gonna fuck up. You're not gonna fuck up at times, but you say something out loud to the universe. You can think things all day long and not have to commit to them. But like when you when you are a disciplined human and you're like, okay, I'm gonna do this, and you do it, that is like an unbelievable sense of accomplishment and gratitude. And like, I think that pl- that is also why a lot of these things that we talk about doing are we've sort of latched onto because you can control the outcome of a lot of these things, right? Like if you're going to go sit to meditate for 30 minutes, yeah, you know that you're going to get through that 30 minutes. And when you're done with it, you're probably going to feel better than you did before you, you sat. Yeah. You know, maybe sometimes you don't, yeah. but like these are the things, right? Like. We can control so little in life. We, yeah. That's why I, f- I, I cherish those early morning hours and that hour before bed. Because mm-hmm. the meat of the day, like the real, like when you think of like the fucking cat's deli, pastrami, fat stack sandwich, like the majority of it, there's like a slice of bread on the top, a slice of bread on the bottom. And the, the, you can't even get your mouth around that much meat. Yeah. You can't control that shit, right? Like that's all that's like pe- other people are involved. And once other people are involved, you just lose. The more people that step into the periphery is just like less control you have. And so when you when you can control specific things, not not speaking from a place of like I'm a control freak, but speaking from a place of like I wanna I wanna figure out a way to consistently put wins on the board so that I can feel better about life. Amen. You know. This is an awesome conversation. Um, I mean, we went in so many different directions. We talked about a lot of different things. Um, quickly, just tell us about your book and tell us about the the new um, the new courses you're about to put out. Yeah, sure. So this is my first book. It is based on the 44 laws that we are underneath. And so the idea is you wake up every day and there's 44 laws preventing you from feeling enlightenment. And so this book is broken up into very short, succinct chapters. You could read it all the way through, or you could read it as a tarot deck and like turn to any law you like and just look at it and do the practice inside and see if you can rise above the law. But just the main goal is to see the law operating in your life. Like, how is this law preventing me from feeling enlightenment today? Mm-hmm. Do I see this law operating in my life? And I can, I have verified every single law in that book. So like nothing I'm sharing in there is going to be like 
unverified stuff. It's all verified. And it's based on verification. So the book is like meant to be kind of like a, you try it on yourself and you verify for yourself if these laws are fucking with you and if you can live above them. The goal is to live above the laws. And in terms of the courses, the courses are much more like bite-sized things you can plug and play into your life today. I think people need that when they're working and they're busy and they have family and they have this and they have that. These courses are going to be small five to 10 minute videos of breath work, somatic practices and meditations that you can just kind of do. And you can mix and match them so it doesn't have to be you know for some of us some people are very kingly they like to do the fucking same thing every single day some people are more queenly as I like to call it and they like to like mix it up right so it's up to you you can literally do it like it's a religion or you can queen it out and like be like I'll do this little meditation and that somatic today you can mix it up it's five minutes, like, it'll make you feel totally different. And the goal isn't the five minutes that you devote to being with me in those courses. It's who you become out in the world after you've done those practices. Mm. And if people want to learn more about it? They would go to my website and just sign up. Like, you know, like the little thing will come up so you can sign up for the mailer or go to my Instagram at Guided by Biet and follow me there. But because of the algorithms, you might want to do both. Okay, cool. So guidedbybiet.com. Guidedbybiet.com. You're amazing. I mean, I, your energy is intense and in a good, very, very good calming way. You know, like I, I it's weird that we reconnected and I kind of just felt like, a real connection with you, you know, and I, and, and it was cemented here today. You know, I, I've, it's like very relaxing and I'm able to receive all the stuff that you're talking about. And I think for anybody listening that feels like this is be above their pay grade, just know it's not, hmm. you know, this is like, I think what you do and the stuff that you talk about, what we just did, that little, that little breath work, anybody could do. Anyone. And you can also have your own experience with it, right? And if you really want to learn more, you should definitely check out BS website because it. I'm, I'm here to tell you that it was like one of the most, you know, wild, wild rides I've had in a long time. Uh, you know, Biet said, Biet told me when we reconnected that, that, as a sober human being, this is a, this is a way to really get kind of high without using any, any, uh, any drugs or alcohol. And she was right. She was right. And it was a very, very interesting experience that I will probably not do every day, but, um, definitely in moments of, you know, time where I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, it's, it's evening time. I'm going to get into this. Well, you could do this one, the light one we did. Totally. I could do the light one. Like pro probably a great one to do right after I meditate. Totally. That's when I do it, right after I meditate, just a couple of rounds. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. My honor. So good to be with you. You're so magic as well. And there you have it, folks. I hope we delivered some valuable content for you to implement into your life on a daily basis. Please remember that our habits have the power to make us or break us. Replacing bad habits with great ones is the answer to living a life of happiness, optimism, and high performance. We are capable of achieving anything. We all have what it takes to give it all we've got. Commit to one great habit each day and truly commit and watch how everything in your life starts evolving from good to great. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us a five-star rating and a nice review that will help us grow this podcast, bring on more amazing guests, and continue to deliver invaluable content on a weekly basis. Lastly, please share this podcast with any friends or family that you think might appreciate it. And always remember, want plus do equals have. Until the next one, fam. Peace.